Well, good morning to each of you, and greetings in Christ's name this morning. Seems like not too long ago I brought the message, I believe it was in November, and it just brought a new appreciation to me for uh, Brother Matt and Mike, as sometimes they preach every other Sunday. So I, I admire them and bless them in their work in doing that. It's hard to believe it's December already. Uh, and Brother Phil led us in a Christmas song this morning, O Holy Night. And I, I'm not sure if my message this morning is a Christmas message. Uh, I asked my wife, and we both kind of didn't think it was too much. But we both agreed that I think Matt and Mike could both preach a Christmas message, and it would still mean just as much. Uh, yeah, Christmas is only three weeks away, and I just really enjoy Christmas. Uh, it's The way God brought Jesus into the world is just unique, I, and I just appreciate how he did that. Christmas always has a lot of memories for me. Um, one of my most favorite memories, I believe, is uh, my grandpa Weaver uh, reading from Luke 2. Uh, when we got together as family, and something that will stick with me. And I believe each of us has those memories uh, growing up, um, and now we're starting, some of us are starting our own families, and we start our own traditions over Christmas. Christmas songs, uh, I believe, are some of the most beautiful songs ever composed. Uh, Brother Phil, that song, Oh Holy Night, uh, appreciate you leading that this morning. That's a very uh, difficult song to lead, I'm sure. Um, but if you get a, a group of people to sing that song that know what they're doing, that is a beautiful song. And I, I just appreciate the Christmas songs. And I've been listening to them a couple weeks before Thanksgiving already. I, I just enjoy Christmas music. So this morning, um, I would like to consider everything that went on before Christ came. Uh, there was a lot of things God had in order that needed to be in order before Christ could come. And that's kind of what I'd like to look at this morning. So just a uh, general meaning of Christmas is the annual Christian festival celebrating Christ's birth. Now that's a very broad, broad term. But it's surrounded by the coming of Jesus as a, as a baby. And as we celebrate that this season, I'd just like us to uh, consider God's plan for Christ to come and all that went into that. So turn to Genesis 3. We are going to be jumping around quite a bit in the Bible this morning, so have your Bibles open and you are welcome to turn to these scriptures. Genesis 3, very familiar account. We have the fall of man. Here Adam and Eve sinned. They took of the tree that they said, that God said, you shall not eat. Uh, we have the serpent coming and deceiving them. And then in verse 15 of Genesis 3, we have the very first promise that God has made. 
And he says this, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God established that promise right after the fall of man, that he will send someone, a savior, a redeemer, for fallen mankind. I did fail to mention if there was a a uh, title for this message, it would be Promise Kept. Uh, just, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but that's what I have come up with. As we go through this, uh, we will see how God's first promise here in Genesis was kept down through the ages. So just keep that in mind. Long ago in, in Eden, or after, after man had fallen, God gave this promise to Adam and Eve. Moving on through... Through scripture, God reminded the patriarchs or the founding fathers of Israel uh, about his promise back in Eden. God throughout scripture brings to the attention of his faithful men the promise made at the fall. So let's look at some of those. You can turn to Genesis 12. We have God calling Abram out of his homeland to a country that God said, I will show you. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse, curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So here we have the promise to Abram. I don't know if Abram understood all that God uh, said, or, or the, the vastness of, or the full extent of what God had said that through, through Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But it's, a, it's another reminder God is making to his people about the coming of Christ. We turn to Genesis 17. Here, God promised Abram a son. And verse 19 of Genesis 17, God says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. So here again, this maybe wasn't, this was before Isaac was born, but it was a promise to Abraham, that through Isaac, uh, Christ would come. That God says he will establish his covenant with Isaac for an everlasting covenant. Again, I don't know if Abraham or Isaac understood what this held in store, but I believe they held that to that promise. We were told that Abraham believed God. So moving on down to Genesis 28.
we have Jacob after he deceived Esau. He is fleeing for his life because Esau wanted to kill him. And we have him running away from home. And he lays down to sleep and he dreams a dream. Verse 12 of Genesis 28. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to, the, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Very familiar to the promise given to, similar to the promise given to Abraham. You can just see God again reestablishing that promise from one generation to the other. I believe that made an impact um, on those generations as they not only passed it on to their children, but they again heard it from God. Okay, you can turn to Genesis 49. As we know, there was ten sons born to Jacob, who was later called Israel, which became the twelve tribes of Israel, children of Israel. Genesis 49, Jacob is, he has his sons gathered to him there, and he's, he's telling them, uh, the future, or maybe blessing them in some way, I'm not sure exactly. But basically, he's making predictions about their lives. And he comes to Judah in verse 8 of chapter 49 in Genesis. Judah, thou art he whom thine brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stood, stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So the promise was passed down to Judah's, Judah, the, the tribe in which uh, Jesus would come from. And this in, in no way is an extensive uh, study on all the prophecies given in the Old Testament. It is astounding at how many times God reminded his people of his promise made back in Eden. But I'd like to turn to 2 Samuel 7 yet. Here David, he was a man of war and he finally has rest from his enemies and 
he's sitting in his house and he he's, he says I I live in a house made of cedar but God is living in dwelling in a, a house or a, a tent basically and he wants to build God something better than the tabernacle for him to dwell in and he tells Nathan this and Nathan comes back with what God had said in verse 12 verses 12 and 13 I'd like to read and when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and I will establish his kingdom he shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever here again is a, a God is proclaiming his promise to David it was through David that through the line of David that Jesus was born Again, I don't, I don't know if David understood everything that God was saying at this time. But as you read down through David's response, you can see that he believed God, he believed the promise, and he was confident that what God had said he would fulfill. So, I'd like to move from certain uh, people that God made this promise to, to... Uh, God speaking through his prophets about the coming Messiah. As time moved on, God revealed more details through those faithfully proclaiming his word, and that would be the prophets of, of Israel's time. So let's look at some of these details that God gives out through his prophets. The first one I like to look at is Daniel 9. Daniel was praying for himself and his people in this chapter, and he has a vision, and Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, comes to him. I'm going to start reading in verse 22 of Daniel 9, and he informed me, this is Gabriel, and talked to me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to shew thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be made a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now, I'm not even going to pretend to try and understand 
what Gabriel was bringing to Daniel here. It's Some people take it literally, some people take it figuratively. But the phrase I'd like to bring out here in verse 25, so we know Israel at this time was in captivity, uh, and they were later released um, when Cyrus, I believe, was king of Persia. He let the Jews go back to their homeland. And Gabriel says, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, they were asked to rebuild Jerusalem. He says, unto the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. I believe the Jews were given a, another promise here, and maybe a glimpse of, of a time period of when the Messiah was to come to earth. Jesus made reference to this in Matthew 24 about the vision that Daniel had here. And I believe if the Jews were truly seeking the Messiah, between this scripture and the scripture, Jesus making reference of this scripture, I think they could have pieced it together that, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. Moving on, that was the time of his birth predicted, I believe. Um, although I don't even understand it. Another prophecy is found in Isaiah 7. This was to whom he would be born, or how he would be born. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you look at that. I, I pulled that verse out of a, a story, basically. Uh, God asked Ahaz if he should give him a sign, and Ahaz says no, and God says this will be the sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It, it almost appears like we're pulling it out of context, but I'd like to for you to turn to Matthew now. Matthew was written in a way that his Jewish audience could understand, make connections with prophecies. Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his, pe his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. <coughs> 
which being interpreted is God with us. I think that connection that Matthew makes with Isaiah 7 is just beautiful and it reinforces for the Jews that read Matthew later on of who, who Jesus was and the prophecies that were made of him long before he ever came. The next prophecy I'd like to look at is Micah 5, in Micah 5. And this is prophesying of where he would be born. Micah 5, 1 and 2. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us, they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou sh though thou be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So Micah, through God, uh, prophesied where, where Christ was to be born. Turn again to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we see, have seen a star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Israel with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Again, just Matthew reinforcing the prophecy made by Micah, where Christ would be born. The next one is taken from Isaiah 9, which we heard this morning. Isaiah 9, the first two verses. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as was in her vexation when at first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath light shined. I believe Brother Durbin brought that out and I was going to do the same where uh, Matthew in Matthew 4 I'll just read it again. In Matthew 4 verses 12 to 16. 
Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by prophet Isaiah, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. I just think it's beautiful how Matthew continuously points back to the prophecies made of old. Next one is found in Hosea 11. And this is the prophecy of Jesus being, uh, they take their, they go to Egypt because Herod is seeking Jesus' life. Isaiah 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Again, a very small verse, but it's very significant. And again, Matthew points that out. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 13 to 15. And we have the wise men came, brought their gifts to Jesus, and... They were warned of God not to return to Herod to tell him where he was at. And the angel of the Lord also comes to Joseph. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother, by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet uh, spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying out of Egypt have I called my son one more prophecy I'd like to look at is in Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 31 Verse 15, Thus saith the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, Refused to be comforted for her children, Because they were not. And this, I believe, was when Israel was taken captive. Uh, was kind of a metaphor uh, Rachel would have been the children of the 12 tribes. Well, not the 12, but it's, it's a, a likeness. But it's also a prophecy. And Matthew again points that out. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, 
and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. As I studied this, I, was, I, I had to marvel. Now, I was never a Jew, and especially back when they only had the Old Testament. I don't know how they looked at the Old Testament, but I believe it's very similar uh, to us today. We're still looking forward to a promise that God has made. And I believe if they had understanding and studied these scriptures, I believe they, they could see that Jesus was truly the Messiah that they had wished for. So the last book in our Bible is Malachi. And then we jump straight from that into Matthew. And you can kind of breeze right through those pages. It's, there's maybe a page or two in your Bible between there. But I'd like to take a little bit of time to briefly discuss what happened between there. It's often referred to the silent years. There was nearly 400 years where God's people uh, heard no prophet. They didn't hear from God. It was a time of darkness, um, a lot of forsaking God, I believe. It almost seems like God didn't care, or he wasn't around, or he wasn't doing anything. But God was at work during those 400 years, and he was moving in some very fascinating ways. I, we don't have time this morning, and I didn't study enough to get into uh, it all, but sometime if you have time, you can look at those 400 years and what all happened in there. Very briefly, I am going to go over a few of the things that were significant, I believe, during those 400 years where they did not hear from God. So we have the Persian period where Cyrus sent the Jews back to, uh, those who wanted to go back to Jerusalem, they could go back and rebuild. And something significant during that period, I believe, I found fascinating was though a lot of Jews did return to Jerusalem, they rebuilt the temple and a lot of them worshiped there. It was through this time that they kind of scattered and they set up synagogues. So you had some worshiping all over the Persian Empire. I believe that was God working to set up his, spread out his people in preparation for Christ to come. Then we move into the Hellenistic period. Um, we have Alexander the Great coming in and enforcing a lot of Greek culture on uh, the Jews. Uh, he believed the language would unite the people. And so we have a lot of Jews accepting that. It was the main language for business, for trading, for communication. Um, and during that period, uh, there was a group of Jewish scholars that translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek. And I just, again, see that as a time of God working, even though they were very unpleasant times of these harsh rulers. Um, having the Greek culture spread out. So when Christ returned, when Christ came and resurrected, 
the common language was Greek and it spread very rapidly. And you have the Maccabean period where the Druze were greatly oppressed and uh, Judas Maccabees led a revolt during that time. Uh, but it was a very unstable time for Israel even then. They, there, were, there were so many factions or different uh, sections, I guess you could say, of Jews who kind of did their own thing, and they were, they were not united at all. So by the time the Roman period comes in, Rome looks at uh, Israel as a nation, and they could see they could add that to their uh, empire, and the Jewish nation is very fragile, and it falls and they are again subject to the Romans, the Roman Empire. They are subjects, they're paying tribute, and they are again oppressed, and they long for someone to deliver them. Another interesting thing, uh, when the Roman Empire came in, uh, they built a lot of roads, uh, which made for easy travel and communication, which also when the gospel message went out, it also made that easier to spread. So through this 400 years, although God did not speak, God was working. And I just marvel at that. He was making a way for his gospel message to spread rapidly. So Paul in Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. God's timing was perfect. He came on an ordinary night in a little town of Bethlehem as a little baby. I, for the most part, if the Jews were studying prophecy, I believe uh, that's what they were looking for. But I believe a lot of them were looking for a warrior to uh, free them, not a helpless baby. But as we know, Christ came as a baby. He fulfilled his purpose on earth. He died for us. He rose again. And he lives as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are again left with a promise. If we turn to Acts 1. Look at that promise that was left for us. The disciples had seen him ascend. And there was two men in white apparel, it says, they asked them a question. Verse 11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. We have this promise that Jesus is coming again. So as angels announced his birth, angels announced that he will again return. Jesus came very quietly the first time. The second time he's coming with a shout. first time Jesus came, very few people saw him, I believe. 
we have the shepherds, and maybe a few other people that saw him come. The second time he's coming, we're told every eye shall see him. First time, he came as a helpless little child. His second coming, he will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Brothers and sisters, I believe this morning we are again in a time of waiting. Now, I don't believe God is silent as he was in the 400 years uh, between the Old and New Testament. I believe we have his Holy Spirit. He has sent us the Comforter. We have his word. And we have a promise, most of all, that he has promised he is coming back. And I just pray that we could be faithful in passing that on to generations coming on. As, as the Jewish people, I'm sure they pass those prophecies on from generation to generation. And while the Jewish people may have missed Jesus the first time he came, there will be no excuses and no exceptions the second time Jesus comes. And I just pray that we could remain faithful and be prepared for his second coming. I don't have time now, but if you have time this afternoon, go home and read 2 Peter 3. Uh, in there, Peter is reminding us that Jesus is coming back and the preparation we need to make and the kind of life we need to live in order to be ready for him to come. Let's bow our heads.